Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well this morning. It's a beautiful day outside, and happy Mother's Day. Moms, we're so thankful for you. I loved it. They talked back to me. That's great. My mom used to talk back to me, too. So anyway, when I talked back to her, that was. Um, I'm so thankful that you're here today. And moms, um, we just want to say thank you so much for the influence, the investment uh, that you make in all of our lives, whether uh, you know, we're dads or grandparents or children. Um, so let's give it up for our moms this morning. How about that? I'm going to talk about my mom in a moment, but before we do, um, before we dive in, um, I want to take just a moment, a little kind of church thing here today. Um, we, uh, we're missing a, a person back here on the drums. I don't know if you noticed this morning, but uh, we have a great rotation of musicians, and uh, we're blessed to have a bunch of different people that participate each and every week with our worship, and they do an amazing job. Um, but Eric uh, Wamek, who is our drummer for this week, this past Friday, uh, he has a band, and he, was, uh, he and his band were playing. Actually, he was just singing. Uh, he plays in a band called the Chili Willy Band, and they were playing, and right after about an hour of singing, Eric collapsed and stopped breathing. And long story short, uh, I, along with another pastor and a bunch of his friends, were in the emergency room at Hilton Head uh, for most of the night, Friday night, well into Saturday morning, and they life-flighted him over to Savannah because he had uh, bleeding on his brain. They're really not sure what happened yet, but things weren't looking good Friday night. And we started a bunch of people praying for Eric and for Sherry and their three girls. They have girls, Erica, uh, Samantha, and Alex. And Eric is doing a lot better. He is still intubated, uh, but he is responding uh, to the doctors. He's holding hands. He's beginning to open his eyes. And with a brain trauma, I'm not a doctor, but evidently that's a good thing uh, that, that, that he is responding to those uh, different things. So I'm going to ask you to pray. Boy, we miss having a drummer. And Gino and Andrea, you guys, and BP, Weston, Roger, you guys did an amazing job this morning, don't you think? Absolutely. <laughs> Great job. Thank you so much for leading us in worship, gang. And so let's just pause for a moment and pray for the Wamek family, Eric and Sherry and his girls. Would you join me in a word of prayer? God, thank you so much for um, the people that you have brought to our church who are so talented and so gifted. And God, in so many different areas. And Eric not only is talented in terms of the ability that you've given him as a musician, and as a singer, but what a great man. What a great man who's learned so much about life. And man, his relationship with you is strong and it's sure. And God, he's taught me a few things over these past couple years of getting to know him. What a delightful, delightful guy. And right now, I just pray for you, the great physician, to continue to heal his body, to continue to heal his brain. God, I pray that you would give the doctors and the nurses, the physicians, the neurosurgeons, the uh, neurological experts in Savannah um, the wisdom and understanding to know what happened and to prevent this from happening again. God, I thank you for our team who came together today and did such an amazing job. And God, I pray that you'd be with Sherry. Give her peace. 
God, give her comfort during this time. I pray that you'd be with his, uh, Eric's girls, Erica and Samantha and Alex, and I pray that you would be with them and guide them and direct them. God, I pray that you would give them peace in the midst of this. God, I pray that you would wrap your loving arms around them when they're worried or when they're concerned, God. And I pray that you would guide and direct the Wamek family today. I pray that you would be with us today as we open up your word and we look at um, what I think is one of the most amazing psalms as we continue in our series, Pedestal. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would invade our lives. God, that you would be in this place that your spirit would guide us into wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And God, I pray for those who are here today who need to be convicted in some of these areas that we've been talking about and will continue to talk about today. God, I pray for some who may need to be challenged in some of these areas. And God, for some who need to be encouraged today, I pray that you would do that, that my words will not be mine, but that they will be yours. And God, I pray for your will to be done in this room today. May we give you glory and honor with what takes place here today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you've been journeying with us these past few weeks, uh, we are in a series that we've entitled Pedestal. And it's kind of uh, interesting because this whole idea that I had about pedestal actually kind of It all kind of comes together on the topic that we're going to be in today, the topic we're going to be talking about today. It was actually the topic that we're going to be talking about today that uh, birthed this idea that I had uh, about pedestal. And here's kind of the premise that we've been talking about over these past few weeks together. Uh, The the Bible talks about the fact that you and I um, can give something in our lives first place that we have a part of our lives that we're going to give everything to that thing or that person or that idea or that philosophy or that mindset or that thought or whatever it could be, self-image status, whatever that is. We have an area of our lives where we are going to place something in our lives on a pedestal, if you will, and we will render whatever it is on the pedestal of our lives as the most important thing in our lives. And if you read through scripture in the different gospels and in the Old Testament, uh, there's a continuing theme that we put that thing that we want and place most important uh, in our lives, we put that on the pedestal of our lives with our heads and with our hearts and with our hands. That's largely how we do that. We, We believe in our minds with truth and understanding that something is the most important thing in our lives. Um, We uh, have an emotional part of us in our heart that puts that thing in first place in our lives. And then many times we do with our hands. We we give activity to or we give attention to or we uh, do something with our hands. And we put those things on the pedestal of our lives. And the whole premise of this whole series that we're going through and we have today and two more weeks in this series is is that there are, are different common things that humans will just naturally put on the pedestal of their lives. But the problem is, and where the tension lies, and where the struggle lies, is that we were made, we were created to put God as the first thing in our lives. 
We were designed to have a God-shaped void in our lives, not a money-shaped void, not a things-shaped void, not a pleasure-seeking-shaped void. Today, not a relationship-shaped void, not a self-image or not a status-shaped void. We were created, and we're even going to look at this today, with a God-sized void in our lives because we were created in the image of God. And so God designed us this way. The problem is, is that because, as Romans says, we're all sinners, there's oftentimes that we will take something in our lives and make it the most important thing. And in doing so, we take God off the pedestal of our lives. And so throughout this series, we've been struggling with five different areas of our lives that are kind of common, I believe, to humans where we bump God off the pedestal of our lives, and we've been discussing how we can take measures, how you and I can ensure that we don't put that thing in place of God. And this week, we come to the subject of putting relationships on the pedestal of our lives instead of God. And as I began with like 10 different caveats last week, 10 different like, you know, premise kind of like, you know, hey, I want to tell you this before we get started, uh, we're going to do one of those today, okay? So it won't take that long. I want to begin today by saying all of these messages are dangerous because everything that we're talking about has a good component. I hope you realize that. So far, everything that we've been talking about has a good component to it. So far... We've talked about money. We we even began with the idea that money isn't bad. Some of you are like, of course it's not bad. It's great. But we often put money as a pedestal of our lives. And so we began with this idea that sometimes we take what God has given us. God has given us the ability to work and to be able to provide and have sustenance for our lives so that we can live for him. But often we take what he's given us And we do something to it to make it the most important thing, and we take God off the pedestal of our lives. Last week, we talked about pleasure. God made this beautiful creation that, wow, those of us who live here have a wonderful uh, uh, opportunity and are blessed to be able to enjoy this creation. But you can go just about anywhere in the world and see the beauty of God's creation. But we talked about the fact that we take that good thing that God has created and we make it bad by making it more important than God. His word says that we should worship him and not creation. And today we come to the subject of relationships And we're going to talk about how sometimes we take what God intended for good, and that is relationships with other people, and we place it on the pedestal of our lives, thus knocking God off of that first place in our lives. And the caveat today, kind of the disclaimer, if you will, is that it's Mother's Day, and there's one particular relationship that we're going to be talking about today, and that we're focused on today, and that we're all going to go out to eat, and hopefully... Guys, you've already gotten your cards by this time uh, and and flowers and all that kind of stuff. And I probably just got some of you guys in trouble, and that's okay because I've been there before, okay? I want to tell you this today before we get started. Moms, you hold a dear place in our lives. And many of you have had in our lives the ability to point us to a place where God is on the pedestal of our lives. Are you with me? That was my mom. That was my mom. She did an amazing job of pointing myself 
my sister, and my dad's here today from Florida, pointing him to the point, absolutely, where he, Jesus, was on the pedestal of our lives. Um, some of you have journeyed with me over these past few weeks um, and, and months. Um, in December, mom came to visit us. Mom and dad came to visit us in December uh, after Christmas, and mom was fine. Um, six weeks after that, she was diagnosed with terminal cancer, a return of breast cancer from 12 years ago. And six weeks after that, on March 24th, my mom passed away. It was quick. It was awful. Wasn't it, Dad? But she was an amazing, amazing person. And there's something about my mom that's true, and I'm sure it's true for many of you here today. Many moms, most moms, that are worth anything, they don't want to be on the pedestal of your life. They want to make sure that you do all the healthy things in your life to put him on the pedestal of your life. So moms, I want you to hear this today. I want you to hear that you play such an important, vital role in our lives. And even though we're going to be talking about bumping Jesus off the, relation, off the pedestal of our lives through relationships, we value our relationship with you. My mom was an amazing, amazing woman. The story of she and my dad meeting and getting married, my dad is a Christ follower because of my mom, right? I'm a Christ follower because of my mom. My sister is a Christ follower because of my mom. And I just want to thank you, Hilton Head Island Community Church, for praying for us over these past few months. My dad is here today, and he wanted me um, to express his thanks for praying for us. You guys have stood in the gap for us, and I'm so thankful that you have been there for all of us. Thank you so much for praying, and I just want to tell you, moms, we love you today. And anything I say about relationships or family doesn't undo the beauty of Mother's Day, okay? So that's my caveat. That's my disclaimer this morning. Turn, if you will, if you have your Bibles, to Psalm. We're going to be in Psalm 115 and 116. We're going to get there about a third of the way or two-thirds of the way through the message, but we're going to park in Psalm 115 and 116 today. But I want to just kind of build up to that point. I want to uh, uh, lead us up to a point where we understand where we're going because this is a vital, important psalm. It's a, it's a vital, important uh, principle for us to understand so that we can ensure that we are not knocked off the pedestal of our lives, uh, that we don't knock God off the pedestal of our lives. Uh, and sometimes we even do that with the good things that God has given us. So I want to define this morning. You can take your notes also. You received them when you walked in this morning. You can also download the app and you can uh, uh, access the notes there. I want to define something this morning because we often here at Hilton Head Island Community Church and many of the churches, some of you might be here uh, vacation or visiting from other areas, your church may uh, emphasize the importance of relationships. Listen, I want you to hear something this morning just to relieve the pressure of what we're going to be talking about. Relationships are important. Relationships are vital in terms of your spiritual walk. Relationships are spiritually important. In fact, um, our relationship with our parents and our friends and moms and grandmothers and um, our friends, those relationships often have an important role in our spiritual lives. But the question is, is what is that role? Take a look at point number one. I I've been um, kind of walking through this series with a, a series of questions to get us thinking about the topic what role, what roles do relationships place uh, or play in our spiritual lives? What roles 
do relationships play in our spiritual lives? First and foremost, we have to have the understanding, just like last week we had to have the understanding, that we were created to enjoy God's creation. This week we need to have the understanding, first and foremost, that God created us to be in community. Just the beginning of creation, take a look at Genesis 1.26, right out of the gates. As God is creating the heavens and the earth, as he's creating the universe that you and I take up space in, he created us in community, and the very fact is, is that he created us in his image. Take a look at, at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us, plural, right, make man, that's humankind, in our, plural, image, after our likeness. There are three times in that one little verse that's mentioned a plural pronoun to describe God. And that's a whole topic like for another time. That's a whole other sermon series. God is uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. Very difficult for us to understand. It would be a fantastic series. I think you should tell your pastor to do that series sometime, by the way. So anyway, God is three in one. He was three in one since the beginning of time. He was created that way. And since he created us, you and I, in his image, therefore we are created for community. We have to understand right out of the gates that God created us for each other. He created us to experience good times and bad times, to experience highs and lows, to go through life together, through all of life, life's journey. He created us as a community being. You'll hear more about that in August when we talk about our life groups, which will kick off once again after, uh, you know, as we head towards the school year. You'll hear a lot of that theme about how God created us for each other. And the Christian life was not meant to be lived alone. So he created us to be in community. Secondly, what role do relationships play in our spiritual lives? Secondly, God commanded us to love other people. God commanded us to love other people. Um, I love uh, the story of Jesus in, in the Gospels when um, his disciples are like, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And, and it's funny because if you study um, the disciples, which, by the way, that'd be another great series to tell your pastor to do sometime. Um, if you study the disciples, the people who follow Jesus, um, they were pretty selfish individuals in a lot of ways. I mean, they left Jesus. We'll look at that in a moment. They, or they left their families to follow Jesus. Um, but in some ways, they were very selfish, and they were always competing with each other. And so when they asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment, they weren't asking because they wanted to know. They, wanted, they were asking to try to find out if they were doing the right thing. And even more so if their friends were not. Like, hey, I, I, I'm better than Mark over here. I'm better than Luke. I'm better than Matthew over here. And I'm certainly better than Peter. That's what they were doing. They were trying to kind of one-up each other. And so they asked him the question, and Jesus responded. And basically, Jesus' response was, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's where we get this idea that we put something on the pedestal with our minds and our, and our hearts and, and our hands, our heads, our hearts, and our hands. But Jesus goes on, and he gives them the second commandment. And Mark records it here. All the Gospels record it. Mark 12, 31. The second is this. You shall love your neighbors yourself. There is, there, uh, there is no other commandment greater than these. Listen, loving other people. Please catch this. Don't miss this. 
Loving other people was the second greatest thing that Jesus said you and I can do. Is that pretty important then? Is that pretty important? I mean, it's the second greatest thing. Like my dad's in the front row. When I was growing up, if he said one thing, I would do that. Maybe sometimes. But and the second thing, you know, that he said, I, I would try, at least, Dad, sorry, I failed a lot. But I would try to do that second thing. Like if it's one and two, it's pretty important, right? It's not 10 or 11 or 12, right? It's the second greatest commandment. And by the way, Jesus was trying to highlight that idea that, like, all the law is summed up by loving God and loving people. So not only are, were we created for relationship, but we were commanded to have relationship. And thirdly, thirdly, why, why are relationships important to our spiritual lives? Thirdly, um, Proverbs, one of my favorite verses here, Proverbs 27, 17, says iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. We were created, God, or, excuse me, God-centered relationships lead to spiritual vitality. Listen, you and I can have a spiritual impact on each other. We can rub off on each other if we are God-focused, if we are Jesus-centered, if our minds are on Christ. And so we, we were created for community. We were commanded to do community. And then God-centered relationships lead to spiritual vitality. We have to face the fact that our spiritual lives cannot be and were not intended to be done alone. We were not created to do our lives with God, to have this relationship with him by ourselves. And those of you who are in a small group or in some kind of mentoring relationship or in a Bible study or, or, or some kind of life group, you guys know the value of doing life together, don't you, those of you who are involved in that? It is vitally important. You're going to hear more about that in the fall. I, I'm in a Bible study right now. Some of you guys are out there that are in my Bible study. Men, it's been one of the best things that I've had over the last year. It's kept me in the game in a lot of ways. Right, guys? It's been awesome. It's been awesome. We were created for each other. But sometimes we have the tendency to push God off the pedestal of our lives and put relationships front and center, don't we? We sometimes put relationships in the front and center on the pedestal of our lives, and in doing so, we knock God off. So the second point today is when do our relationships with other people push God off the pedestal? When do our relationships with other people push God off the pedestal? First and foremost, it happens, it happens when we treasure friends more than God. Now, today, I've used an illustration for each uh, week of the pedestal. Today, uh, I have some pictures, and some of these pictures are going to be familiar. Some of them aren't. Uh, today, we're just using just, you know, some friends here. Here are some friends, right? Uh, sometimes you and I place a higher importance on our friendships than we do on God. And adults, um, remember last week I was like, hey, um, one disclaimer is don't do this to like your husband or wife if you're sitting next to him or your mom or dad or your child or whatever. Like this message is for you. This is the point in this message where I say this message is for you, okay, right here, right now. Because the tendency for us adults is to go, yeah, my teenager struggles with this, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, so on and so forth. By the way, I found out Facebook's old right now, isn't it? Teenagers are like, nah, Facebook isn't the deal. It's Instagram and Snapchat. 
Oh, man, I can't even keep up anymore. So anyway, but it's uh, social media is driving our culture. And listen, parents, we may snicker at it. We may want to turn our, our head away from it. But our kids are living their whole lives. They're living their whole lives. You'll hear more about this in a few weeks. They're even living their whole lives in terms of their friends being the most important thing. Unless we are hypocrites, we parents have to admit that we sometimes do the same thing, don't we? And it may not be Snapchat and Facebook and Insta, whatever, and all that kind of stuff, but we do it with our lives. We do it with our friendships. We do it by who we hang out with, who we spend time with, who we honor with our emotional output. And sometimes you and I put friends in the wrong place in our lives. Jesus' disciples, his followers, did the same thing. I love this passage. It's recorded in Luke. Take a look at Luke uh, chapter 9, 57 through 62. The words will be on the screen. I, by the way, I promise we're going to get to Psalm 115 and 16. We will, I promise, okay? Some of you are like, we haven't even gone there yet. It's okay. We'll get there. Uh, verse 57 of Luke chapter 9. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, um, I'll follow you wherever you go, speaking to Jesus. And Jesus, verse 58, said to him, Foxes have holes, birds have, the, uh, have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, uh, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. His, his father had died. And Jesus said, let leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as far as you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. He was prioritizing, by the way, the mission that these men were called to. Yet another said, um, I will follow you, verse 61, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home, friends that were at home, right? And, and look what Jesus says to him in verse 62. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. You see, even those close followers to Jesus were like, hey, Jesus, I want to follow you, but first... I got to go back because there's people at my house and I need to say goodbye to them because that's the right thing to do. That's etiquette. That's like being a good friend and all that. But what Jesus said is he said, don't look back. If you are a true follower of me, you won't look back. You won't turn back. But Jesus, I've got friends that, that play an important role in my lives. Yes, but are you giving them you're all and not me. You see, sometimes we worship and we idolize and we put on the pedestal people in our lives and we do it in ways that take from us and then we have less to give to God. I'm not saying don't be a good friend. There are tons of verses in God's word that talk about friendship. I'm saying that when they take the place on the pedestal of your lives, God is not there. There's no room for him there. And Jesus says, don't look back when you decide to follow me. So when do, does relationships with other people in our lives push God off the pedestal? First and foremost, when we treasure friends more than him. Secondly, when we rely on family more than God. Did you hear me? When we rely on family more 
than God. I love this picture of my family right here. Aren't those kids cute? And that's a beautiful lady up there on the left. I don't know about the guy in the middle, but anyway, they're awesome. I love my family. My dad is here. My parents raised me in an amazing home. I relied on them for so many things. He's probably over there going, yeah, way too much. I relied on them for so many things. But at some point in my life, I had to get out on my own. And spiritually, I had to rely on Jesus Christ for my spiritual strength. And not them anymore. Not my mom and not my dad. And Jesus talks about this in Luke 14, 26. It's pretty stark here what he says. If anyone comes to me, he says, and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters. Yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Wow, that's a high calling, Todd. I don't know if I can do that. It's tough some days, isn't it? By the, word, by the way, the word hate in the original language doesn't necessarily mean hate, but it means to not love to the highest degree. Does that make sense? To not love to the highest degree, the best word that we have in the English language is hate. That's why it sounds so harsh to us. But Jesus used one of the strongest words that he could there, and he said we cannot love anyone else, even these precious people, even your precious people, even your moms and your dads, and those people that mean so much to you more than Jesus. Because even the good can bump the best from our lives. Jesus intended and he desires for us to love him even more than our family. And listen, I, I, I understand that sometimes we have a tendency, it's very easy to kind of slip into putting the people we love the most on our pedestal. Um, husbands, sometimes we put our wives' opinions and what they think on the pedestal rather than God, don't we? Wives, sometimes you do that with your husband's Parents, sometimes you, you do that with your kids. We see that played out in athletics, don't we? Believe me, I've got two that are really involved. And sometimes we put them with education and athletics and everything in our lives. We put so much into them. All of a sudden, we wake up and we wonder, where did our relationship with God go? It's gone. Our Lord and Savior, the one who sent Jesus to die for us. Because we let the good replace the best. And so when do relationships bump God off? Thirdly, from Jude, from the book of Jude, it's when we place famous people, now don't laugh, all right, don't laugh at this, it's when we place famous people, and when we treasure them, and when we uh, admire famous people more than we do God. I got to be honest, I had to ask who these people were. This is Chris Helmsworth, it's Thor, he didn't, he didn't look like Thor there, and that's Kim Kardashian. Some of you are like, why in the world is he putting that up on the stage to drive home a point, right? Listen, we do this in subtle ways, moms and dads. We do this in many ways, adults, teenagers, and students. We do it in ways like loving sports, this is my issue, more than we do God sometimes. And I'm not talking just about movie stars or whatever. I'm not really sure what Kim does, but anyway... I, it's my problem. I don't think it's a problem, but anyway. We do this in ways when we admire them more than we do God. We give them more honor than we do God with our time and our focus. Listen, I love sports. I love sports. I can tell you everybody that the Falcons drafted this year, 
But you know, do I really know the word of God that well? You see, sometimes we take people who are famous or who we may admire, maybe even some good people that we admire, maybe some like people that have a good mindset about culture and the world, and we trust them more than we do God. Parents, adults, sometimes the person, the talking head on TV, we trust them more than we do God. The reason I know that is because I've slipped into that before. Because I love politics, I love world events, and sometimes we let that take precedent. We were living in New York City, and we had a guy come into our church, and uh, he was born in Columbia, and he had moved to the United States, and he absolutely fell in love with the United States, and he fell in love with one particular political philosophy. And we asked him one day, we said, hey, um, who do you believe in? Who is your God? And he said, conservatism, political conservatism is my God. That is who I worship. And it may not be someone famous, but it might be someone who has a theory or has an ideal that you put on the pedestal of your life, and in doing so, you bump God off. And this last one I want to talk to you about hits home, and it's really the reason that I came up with this whole series at all, and that is people of faith. Yeah, this is me right here, okay? I don't like having pictures blown up like you're going to see here in a moment. But sometimes we put people of faith on the pedestal of our lives and we trust them more than we do God. Sometimes we trust them more than we do him. We trust them more than we do the word that he's written to us. This is why sometimes in the middle of a message I'll say, if you don't believe what I'm saying, research it from God's word. Trust this. Listen, I'm telling you, trust this before you trust me. Do you hear me? Does that make sense? Like, trust God's word before, before you trust me. There have been so many people throughout the ages that have followed faith leaders and not God himself. And the Bible talks about this all throughout uh, the New Testament. Uh, listen to 1 Corinthians 1 here, 10 through 13. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and same judgment. For it has been reported to me, this is Paul who's traveling through the New Testament day and age. It's been reported to me by Chloe's people um, that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. Look at verse 12 and 13. He says, what I mean is that each of you, each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. And then he says in verse 13, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? And what he's saying here, church, is no, it's Christ and Christ alone who we need to follow. This is it. This is all we need. It's all about him. It's not about me. But sometimes we quote and we memorize and we believe in our faith leaders or someone you may see on TV. I'm not going to name any names today, but someone you may see on TV and you trust them more than you trust the Savior. Are you with me? It's a terrible, terrible mistake. And I want to let you know on behalf of all those faith leaders, leaders we will let you down.
we will disappoint you. We will fail you because we are human. In fact, I would say that most of you, if you have not, if you have been failed by God, if you say, Todd, God failed me, if you really thought about it, I almost promise you that it would come back to someone of faith who failed you. Because God never fails. Never. Never fails. He never lets us down. And that's the whole point of all these. By, by the way, I missed this, but Jude 1.4, in terms of famous people, Jude talks about this right towards the end of the New Testament. He says, for certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designed for this condemnation that he just talked about, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny only our master and our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, the New Testament is filled with warnings of these types of things, that we have the tendency to put other people on the pedestal of our lives and not Jesus Christ. And that leads me to this kind of bottom line thinking uh, on this. Relationships may be beneficial to us and our spiritual lives, but they do not deserve the same place in our lives that God deserves. They may be beneficial to our lives, but they do not deserve the same place that God deserves in our lives. No one or no group of people can fill this void. That's it. That's it. That's the bottom line. But how do we do this? How do we correct it? How do we keep our relationship? And that's point number three. What keeps our relationship with God on the pedestal when his place is threatened? I love how this begins. Um, take a look at Psalm 115. It's the passage I told you to t turn to a long time, long time ago. I love this. This is the psalmist. There's debate on whether this was David or not because there are some psalms that weren't David. David wrote most of the psalms, but there's, there's some uh, in here that were probably not written by David. This is debated. But look how this begins. And we're going to read Psalm 115 and 116 to close. And I'm going to give you a five-step way to, to ensure, to, to keep our relationship, our pedestal from not being overcome by other people, but keeping Christ the second. Take a look at how it starts. Not to us. I want you to say that with me, okay? On the count of three. One, two, three. Not to us, O oh Lord. Not to us, but to your name give glory. Not to us. If you circle stuff in your Bible, circle that. I got it highlighted, circled. That's it right there. That's the whole, like, that's the tipping point. That's the transitional point of the next, actually, three chapters in Psalms. It is so vital that we understand that it is not about all of these relationships. That it is about him. Not to us, O oh Lord, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. And for time's sake, I'm just going to read the portions of this passage that relate to the points. Take a look at five ways that you and I can just foundationally, and a lot of this stuff may seem simple, but i got to tell you, when we put people on the pedestal of our lives and not God, it often is a simple mistake that we've just let go. I play golf. I'm a golfer, and when I'm playing bad, it's honestly one of the foundational principles that I learned a long time ago that I've let go. Take a look at what the psalmist does here to ensure that God isn't bumped off the pedestal of his life by other people. 
we first and foremost need to trust him. Psalm 115, 9 through 11 says this, O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their, their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. Listen, when we put people on the pedestal of our lives instead of him, often it comes down to a trust issue. And so we put value and emotion and time and energy into them and not him. So first and foremost, we need to check that basic foundational principle of do we trust him? Do we trust him? It's the very first thing that the psalmist here describes when he's describing idols. Because in verses 2 through 7, he's describing idols. And in describing them, he, descri he describes hands and head and noses and feet. He describes it like a person. Yeah, not that interesting? He describes these idols like a person. And so first and foremost, we've got to trust in him. The second thing that the psalmist does here is he calls on God. Look at Psalm 116. Skip over to 116, 2 through 4. I love the Lord. I'll read verse 1. I love the Lord because he heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will, say it with me, call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Some of you are like, yeah, that's me right now. Then I called on the name of the, of the Lord. Oh, soul, I pray, deliver my soul. But sometimes what do we do? We call on our friends. We phone a friend instead of phoning God. We call on, on other people before we call on God. He should be first and foremost. Trust him. Call on him. Thirdly, believe in him. Psalm 116.10, skip down to verse 10. The psalmist says, I believed even when I spoke. I'm greatly afflicted. Like this is the psalmist saying, I have this great affliction, but I believed in him. Even in the midst of my affliction, I believe in him. Trust in him. Call on him. I skipped one. Believe in him. Return to him. Take a look at Psalm 116, uh, uh, verse 7. Take a look at verse 7. It says, return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. If you're a long way from God and you're trusting in other people, maybe for you, you just need to return to him. Trust in him. Call on him. Return to him. Believe in him. And then finally, take a look at Psalm 116, 12 through 14. Give back to him. What shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation, and I will call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. The psalmist here, as an act of worship, gave back a portion to God. That's what we do with our giving. I want to thank you all for faithfully giving back to God and his church here. But you know what? You're not giving to me. You're not giving to Todd Cooper. You're not giving to the elders. When you give, you're giving back to God. It's an expression of thanksgiving for all that he's done. And when we do that, when we trust him, when we believe on him, when we return to him, when we call on him, when we uh, return to him, and when we give back to him, that is putting some things into place where we can ensure that we don't let someone else on the pedestal 
of our lives. The word adoration means the act of paying honor to someone who's divine. And the question I want to leave you with today is who receives your adoration? Who receives your adoration? There's an old story that's just so appropriate for Mother's Day. There's a little boy, and um, he forgot his lines that he was supposed to recite in a Sunday school presentation. So his mother was in the front row, and she was there to, to prompt him, to help guide him. So he forgot his lines, and there she was in the front row, and she gestured and formed words with her mouth to try to get him to, to remember the words, but it didn't help. Her son's memory was blank, and finally she leaned forward, and she whispered the cue, I am the light of the world. And with confidence brimming and with a big smile, he stood up and he said, my mom is the light of the world. <laughs> I love that story. That's a great story. You know, sometimes we can take what God has given us that's good and we can actually bump God off the pedestal of our lives. I want you to hear this. Some of you already know this. Whether it's a famous person, whether it's a family member, whether it's a friend, or whether it's a leader, faith leader, people at some point in time will always disappoint. But we serve a God who sent his son to die and be resurrected in three days for our salvation. And in the end, if you trust him long enough, he will never disappoint. Who do you adore? Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for this reminder. Some of these basic foundational things that sometimes we forget or we lose focus on. And God, I pray for the one who's out there today and their friendship with another person or a group of people is taking everything from them. It's sapping every bit of life out of them. I pray for the one who is trusting their family, even their family, instead of you. God, I pray for the one who's there and God, they're wrapped up with society and things that are going on socially so much that that's their idol, that's on the, their pedestal. Maybe it's sports, maybe it's entertainment, maybe it's someone that they admire so much that in admiring that person, they bump you off the pedestal of their lives. God, I pray that you would lead each one of us to a place where we trust in you, the one who can be trusted, the one who will never fail, the one who will never, never give up on us. And God, we thank you so much for the work that you did. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help each one of those who are in this room who are Christ followers to be able to trust you, to be able to believe in you, to be able to return to you, to be able to call on you. God, and I pray that we, as an act of worship, would give back to you with our lives, with our time, with our talent, with our effort. God, I pray that we would give you first place and that we wouldn't put people on the pedestal of our lives because you're the one who deserves that first place. You're the one who deserves the glory. God, we thank you that you are a God who defeated death for our eternity. 
and we give you praise and we give you glory for that right now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.